Good morning, everyone. Hope you are having a good weekend and um, a blessed Sunday. And um, great news, Vernon. I'm, I'm very glad to hear about that. God bless you. Um, this morning, we're going to be studying from 1 John chapter 2. And you're going to notice that this really uh, is closely related to what we've studied already this morning in the Sunday school lesson and even in the uh, opening. So 1 John chapter 2, you might be wondering why I'm up here this morning. What happened was I switched places with Dad, and so he preached for me last Sunday, and then, so I'm preaching today, and then the preaching schedule came out, and I'm going to preach next Sunday, so I'm not sure how that's going to all work out, and you can be praying for me as I try to get ready for next Sunday. What would be especially helpful would be if you would pray that, a, that God would send a visiting minister. It would uh, suit me well. So this is a, our third installment in our study of 1 John, here in 1 John chapter 2. And our main focus this morning is going to be verses 7-11, through 11, which talk about loving each other. But uh, I'm going to read starting at the beginning of the chapter, even though we've looked at some of these verses already in previous studies. I'll start at the beginning of 1 John chapter 2 and, and uh, read these verses. And, and I'll, I'll pause and make comments as we go through this. Um, I don't usually do that. I don't know. If, I'm not sure how that's going to work out, but I'll try it. Until we've worked our way up to verse 7. And that's going to be the main, the main focus. So 1 John chapter 2 starts off with this, My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. Now, in my opinion, that's the primary focus of, of what, John's been, what John has written so far. That um, he's, he's arguing against a false teaching that kind of downplayed sin as, as not really being that big of a deal. Said what you did with your what you do with your body doesn't really matter that much, and John is arguing against it, and I think that's been his main focus up to this point. In chapter one, he talks about God being light and and says that if we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say we have fellowship with Him while we walk in darkness, we're liars. So I'm writing these things so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins, not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. So we have this amazing gift available to us, the propitiation, which we studied at great length the last time I preached. We studied on this verse how uh, we talked about how propitiation is available to the whole world, and we argued about unlimited atonement in favor of unlimited atonement and, and argued against the doctrine of limited atonement. Uh, so that, that was last time we, we studied First John. But that propitiation is beautiful. It's available to all of us. But uh, it doesn't make sinning okay. It doesn't make sinning of no consequence. So we shouldn't sin. He has given us, he hasn't given us any specific examples of sin yet, but he will here in a second. So hang on. 
Okay, we're ready for verse 3 now. And by this we know that we have come to know Him if we keep His commandments. Whoever says, I know Him, but does not keep His commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoever keeps His word in Him truly, the love of God is perfected. John is, is going to use this phrase, by this we know. He's going to use it about eight times in this letter. So this letter is full of spiritual thermometers, indicators of, of where you're at spiritually. And he says, those who know God will keep His commandments. Just to make sure his readers are getting the point, he says it the other way around. Those who do not keep His commandments don't know God. They say they do, they're just liars. So this is pretty simple stuff so far. Uh, keeping His commandments is not talking about perfection because no one's perfect, including John himself. In the previous chapter, he said, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. He included himself in that we. So he's not talking about perfection when he says keeping His commandments. He's talking about a pattern. A pattern of obedience that our lives are characterized by obedience to God and not disobedience. So those who, knew, those who know God will have this pattern of obedience in their lives. Now, if you think about it, this may not seem very obvious because there are a lot of people who know about God, at least, but don't obey Him at all. Solomon, for example, knew quite a bit about God, I would say, but for a major stretch of his life, didn't do very well at obeying Him. So how does... How, what does John mean when he says that those who know Him will obey Him? We need to look at, at a couple of expressions that he uses almost in the same breath here. He says, whoever keeps His Word in Him, the love of God is perfected. So, love of God, you're, we have the love of God, you're keeping His commandments because you love Him. And in the next, next two verses we'll be reading, it talks about abiding in Him. So when John says someone has come to know God, he's not talking about someone that has a head knowledge of God that you know he kind of knows some things about God. He's, he's talking about someone who is in a relationship with God and abides in Him. And those who are in that kind of relationship will keep His commandments. Alright, back to verse 5. By this we may know that we are in Him. Whoever says he abides in Him all to walk in the same way in which He walked. This here is a challenging verse. Do you, do you abide in Christ? Here's how you know. Do you walk like Christ walked? Do you live your life like Christ lived His life? I don't think He, he means that we need to imitate every specific action that Jesus took in his life or every decision. You know, I don't think we have to put on a robe and sandals and never get married. But he's saying, do you have the same kind of direction and purpose and priorities that Jesus had? For example, Jesus cared a lot about people. He served people. He took time for children. He healed the sick. He fed the 4,000 and then the 5,000. He fasted and prayed. He pursued time with God. Spent a lot of time talking with His Father. He was definitely not someone caught up in the 
American dream. He wasn't caught up in the Israelite dream or any other dream except for God's dream. He served. John 13, verses 14 and 15, this is after the feet washing. Jesus said this, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I've given you an example that you also should do just as I have done to you. And he wasn't just meaning you ought to just wash each other's feet. He, he was talking about service in general. And he suffered. He suffered for us. 1 Peter 2.21 says that Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. So that's just a reminder, just a snapshot of how Jesus lived his life, his approach to life, his priorities. That's what we should have if we claim that we abide in him. Those things, if we abide in him, those things will be true about us. Dallas Willard put it this way, and I like just the way he phrases this. He said that if you are a disciple of Jesus, you will live your life as Jesus would have if he were you. Now we've gotten up to verse 7. And let's focus on these verses that talk about loving your brother. Why should I love my brother? How do I do this? Let me read verses 7 through 11. Beloved, I'm writing you no new commandment, but an old commandment that you had from the beginning. The old commandment is the word that you have heard. At the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true in him and in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Whoever says he is in the light and hates his brother is still in darkness. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. So loving your brother is a major theme in 1 John. He talks about it here in this chapter, talks about it in chapter 3, and also in chapter 4. And it makes me wonder what was going on in the churches or the church that he was writing to that he felt like he needed to emphasize this so much. I mean, maybe nothing was going on. Maybe this is just kind of general John's general encouragement. But I'm suspicious that, that there was a lack of love. There were some problems, some issues in the church. Maybe it had something to do with the false teaching and the division and the fallout from all of that. Maybe it had to do with economic disparity, rich people and poor people, and the rich people not caring for the poor people. I don't know, but there was something, I think, that, that was missing that John is concerned about. Or, or maybe, maybe I should say there was something at risk there. They needed to be reminded of, of um, their, their need to love each other. Just, just to comment on this old and new commandment thing going on in verses 7 and 8. Because John sounds like he can't make up his mind if it's an old commandment or a new commandment. And so finally he says it's both. The commandment is old. The commandment to love your brother is old in the sense that it goes all the way back to the Old Testament. 
of the Old Testament law. It's, it's new in the sense that as you look at what Christ did with that commandment and the example that He gave us, it takes on a much deeper meaning. And then, and then there's this phrase in there in verse 8 that says, this commandment is true in Him and in you. And, and I'm not completely sure what that means, but um, I, here's my best shot. I think this is at least plausible. I think the commandment is true in Him in the sense that Christ followed it. He showed us the reality of this commandment and what it should look like lived out. He followed the highest standard of love. And then the commandment is true in us and that we are commanded to behave like Christ and to follow His footsteps. Now, why should I love my brother? After we talk about why, we'll talk about what this looks like. Well, for starters, God commands us to love each other. It's pretty simple. Hating your brother is sin. John opened this chapter by saying, I'm writing these things so that you will not sin, so that you may not sin. And this is the first specific example of sin that he's given. Hating your brother, that's sin. It's breaking the commandment that is old and yet new that John has just introduced. Well, what if you don't really hate your brother? What if you're just kind of on the fence with him? Kind of indifferent. You, you don't really care one way or another. You definitely don't hate him. Maybe you don't really love him either. Is, indifferent, is indifference a problem? Well, if you're indifferent, there are a few things that can't be said about you. One is that can we say, for example, that you abide in the light if you're indifferent? No, you can't say that. That's reserved for people who love their brothers. So you, you don't abide in the light. Can we say that you walk as Jesus walked? I guess we can't say that either. Jesus definitely loved everyone. That means, I guess that means you don't abide in Him. Can we say that you've been born of God? How about 1 John 4, 7? Beloved, let us love God one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Well, if you don't love, then I guess you can't say that about you. That's a problem. So being indifferent or just not loving your brother is a major problem. It's a big deal. And here's what can be said about someone who does not love uh, definitively. Over in 1 John 3.14, he says... We know that we have passed out of death into life because we love the brothers. Whoever does not love abides in death. Now, and in fact, you'll see that John doesn't treat indifference any different. Be careful, I don't go into a tongue twister here. He doesn't treat indifference any differently from hate. In 1 John 4.20, he says, If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. So he goes from hates his brother to does not love his brother, just treats them the same. Does not love, hates. Doesn't make a difference to John. He's using them interchangeably. Now, some of you might be thinking right now, uh-oh, I've got a problem. 
because I know I feel loving towards some people most of the time, but there's some other people I don't necessarily feel loving about them. I don't feel hate, but I don't feel love either. Is this a problem? Does this mean that I hate all those guys? Well, we'll talk about that in a minute when we look at what love is. But for now, God demands that we love each other. Those who hate or are indifferent walk in darkness, which is, a, which is a terrible place to be because it's, you know, your guarantee is you're going to fall down if you walk in darkness. You're guaranteed to stumble and have a lot of pain and misconceptions and wrong ideas and frustration. And even when you do make progress, if you're walking in darkness, you're probably headed in the wrong direction. So it's, it's a bad place to be walking in darkness. And, and it's funny, well, it's not funny, it's, it's ironic that the people who are most interested in looking out for themselves are the same group of people who are really unable to, I guess. They, they are stumbling and falling down and they don't know why. Those who love walk in the light and there's no cause for stumbling. Okay, what does this love look like? Back to that question of, of indifference. What if you feel indifferent towards someone? What if you don't feel loving toward everybody all the time? Well, you know, I don't know of anywhere in the New Testament, I could be wrong, but I don't know of anywhere in the New Testament where love is described as a feeling. Or, or, or where it's defined as a feeling. It's not defined by feeling. It's defined by how we treat each other. So I guess this is good news if you're low on, on uh, warm, fuzzy feelings sometimes. Because that, that is really not what defines love. What defines love is how you treat each other. Now, if you have nice feelings about everybody, but you don't actually do anything for each other, then that's a problem. Let's look at, at three aspects of loving treatment. The first one is service. And this is what John emphasized mostly in this letter. And it's, it's in 1 John chapter 3. Service is necessary for love to be real. There has to be a service. In, in 1 John 3, he says this in verse 17, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need and yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? So let's make up a little scenario to illustrate this. There are two guys, Jim and Steve, and they both go to the same church, Quiet Hope Mennonite Church. Now, for those of you who were at my men's meeting a few months ago, don't worry, no one is going to get killed in this story. But Jim and Steve, they go to the same church. They don't do much together, but they're friendly to each other on Sunday mornings. They're nice. They speak nicely to each other. Now, Jim is a regular old, yeah, he's a regular middle-class guy. He doesn't have a lot of stuff, but he does have a chainsaw, and he knows how to use it because he's a logger. And every morning on his way to work, Jim drives past Steve's house. Now, Steve has had some financial difficulty lately. Uh, the transmission fell out of his minivan. His dog is sick. 
His wife had twins. All sorts of trouble going on in Steve's life. And in his front yard, there's a dead tree that is leaning slightly toward the house. Now, Steve owns a chainsaw, but he's scared to use it because he really doesn't know how to use it. And he definitely would not try to cut down a tree. He couldn't cut down a tree to save his life because he'd probably lose it in the process. So every morning when Jim drives past Steve's house, Jim sees that dead tree and he thinks, someone ought to cut that tree down before it falls down. But then he thinks, someone else will take care of it, you know. And he just kind of lets it go out of his mind and refocuses on the task at hand, getting to work, get what he has to do at work. And so Jim never does anything about it. And uh, he just lets it kind of pass in his mind and out and, out and, and goes on about his, his work. He's always got something else going, going on. And this goes on for week after week. And finally, one Saturday... While Jim's on vacation at Virginia Beach, a windstorm blows up and knocks this tree down on Steve's house, but no one is killed. So here's what I think John would say about Jim. I think he would say that I don't see how God's love can abide in Jim. Now, in the scenario I shared, um, I'm sorry, in the scenario that John shares, he doesn't mention hate there. This is kind of going back to, to what I said about indifference. He doesn't mention hate. He's just talking about someone who doesn't do something for his brother. You could say Jim is indifferent. You could say Jim hates Steve. So according to what John is writing, it makes no difference to, to John the apostle. So if there's someone in our church that has a need that I could meet and I decide, "Ah, I'm just just not really into it right now, I don't really feel like it, and I never do anything to meet that person's need, then how is that love? Now there are legitimate reasons for not helping someone who has a need. Sometimes we're just not able to. Sometimes there's other factors. But outside of having a legitimate reason, If I don't help someone I could help, then I don't love him. And and verse 18, John says, it's still in chapter 3, little children, this is is how you know John is is fairly elderly. He calls all these people little, little children. Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. So he's saying, guys, let's, Let's not just talk about loving each other. Let's get up and do something for each other. Pick up the towel like Jesus. And it's really easy for me to stand up here and talk about how we need to love each other, but it can be tough to actually live it out. That was mentioned in Sunday school. Uh, But if we just talk nice and never do anything nice, we're a bunch of fakes. And we're in a very similar position as the guys who said, Lord, Lord, but never actually served Jesus, never served God, and made no difference to God how many times they would say, Lord, Lord. They weren't interested in serving Him. He was not impressed, and He is not going to be impressed with a love that is all vocal cord and no action.
a lot of people have helped me over the years. And uh, I was thinking of one time recently that, uh, I mean, recently I was thinking of a time when uh, I was back on a missionary for, on a furlough from being in Romania. <clears throat> and I was up in Harrisonburg visiting family. And Raymond and Barbara were, uh, I don't remember if they were away or what was going on. Somehow they were tied up and they needed me to, to mow their lawn, supposedly. And uh, I was, I'd been doing kind of odd jobs for different people to, to try to repair the status of my bank account. And so they got me to mow their lawn and I mowed their lawn and it maybe took me an hour and they gave me $100. And I thought, wow, $100 for mowing the lawn? You know, one hour's worth of work? You know, this explains a lot about uh, the valley, and maybe I should move up there. Now, I, I realize that this is, that in fact, you know, he, they were being extremely generous. They realized that I'm kind of a, a poor, broke missionary boy, and uh, so they were very generous with me. And it was probably something like a 25% increase in my net worth. And uh, I remember Delvin actually did something similar for me when I did a little work for him up on the farm. You know, a little bit of work that didn't count for much, and he was very generous with paying me. And um, that is what love is. Love is service. It's looking out for each other. It's helping each other. And um, it usually does mean that we're going to make some sacrifices for that person so that we can serve each other. How far does John want us to take this idea of service? Well, if you flipped to John 3, and you were actually looking at these verses, you've probably seen where I'm headed with this. Verse 16 says, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. So he's setting the bar pretty high, obviously. Do we love each other like that in our church? I hope you never have to feel obligated to lay down your life for someone else. But in the meantime... There are lots of other mundane opportunities for service that we should be aware of. And I hope that we, maybe in this coming week, I would encourage you to put some special thought toward the opportunities of service that we have and showing love that way. You know, tonight's visitation, for example. Now, I would like to take just a little detour here. We, we talked about love being service. There's two other aspects of love I'll look at just real quickly in 1 Corinthians 13, where it says love is patient and kind. Uh, love never does not envy or boast. It's not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, Endures all things. And, and the two things I want to zero in, are, in on are forgiveness and patience. If you look at the end of verse 5, there in 1 Corinthians 13, it says it's not irritable or resentful. In the King James, it says, thinketh no evil, which makes it sound like it's talking about someone who is you know, really suspicious. That's actually not the emphasis here, he's, he's talking about someone who keeps track of wrongs. And he says, love is not that. You don't keep a record of wrongs. In fact, the NIV says, keeps no record of wrongs. So that's a real simple aspect of love is that we forgive each other when they, we, we forgive each other when we wrong each other. Um, they need our forgiveness. That relationship needs to be cleared. And we have a duty to meet that need. 
just as we need forgiveness, we must forgive each other. If we love God, we will forgive each other. That's a huge aspect of love is forgiveness. The, the other one was patience. And in verse 4, and this one must have really stood out to Paul because he, me- he mentions it in several different ways. Love is patient. And then at the end in verse 7, the end of that passage I read, love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. If we love each other, we will be patient with each other and put up with each other's imperfections and expect that maybe we will see some improvement over time. Love understands that um, people aren't perfect, circumstances aren't perfect, really pretty much nothing on this earth is perfect, and things take time. Growth takes time. As a patience that endures and hopes and believes that God is at work. Now, obviously, when we talk about patience, there's some balance that is needed here because patience isn't always the right answer. Um, Sin needs to be dealt with. And you don't just... Sin, uh, I'll just say, I'll just leave it at patience isn't always the right answer, and there's wisdom in knowing when patience is, when it's time to be patient and when it's time to uh, take action. But we should have a great capacity for patience, and that should be our tendency. We should be very willing to be patient with each other, just as though we were in a perfect family where all the children love each other and are patient with each other. So treat your brother and sister as you want to be treated. Um, John is emphasizing love is not, it's not talk, it's not feeling, it's how we treat each other. And just to kind of remind you that uh, we need each of these aspects of love I mentioned this morning. Have you ever needed someone to serve you? Well, of course you have because you don't have all the resources or all the spiritual gifts. We need each other. We need service. We need to help each other. Have you ever needed forgiveness? I'm sure you have. If we claim otherwise, we're, we're just fooling ourselves. Have you ever needed patience? Someone to be patient with you. To understand that you're not perfect. And you need encouragement. Of course, you have needed that. So those are things that we need for ourselves. And we should be loving and extend those things to others. So just to recap, if we love God, we must love each other. That is the commandment. It's old and yet new. As we follow Christ, we must love each other. There aren't any exemptions. I don't see any exemptions in this passage where you know, it only applies to those brothers and sisters that we really like or are popular or the ones that we agree with the most or have the most in common with. We need to love everyone in God's family. Indifference is not okay. Resentment is not okay. Impatience is not okay. So if we love each other, we'll treat each other as we want to be treated. And I do see people who love each other in our church. I think that's wonderful. But if you're like me, you know that love can quickly become endangered uh, just a few disagreements, a few misunderstandings, a few hard times. For me, even a bad headache can put my love at risk. So our love needs to be stronger than those little tough spots that come our way. 
It needs to be willing to lay down your life for your brother. And if it's that strong, it will be strong enough to survive tough times. And that's what our church needs, a lay down my life for my brother kind of love. Without love, we're walking in darkness. But when we walk in love, we walk in the light and there is no cause for stumbling. God bless you.